The New York Rangers snap out of their coma in the third period, and they take down the Anaheim Ducks 5-2 to halt their two-game losing streak. We break down the Ranger comeback, and was Capo Caco benched? You're locked on the New York Rangers, your daily podcast on the New York Rangers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 987 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. I just want to thank you guys, as always, for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. That intro song is, of course, Leave the Lights On from our good friends in Pacifier. And today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get started. And we are, of course, part of the LockedOn Podcast Network, your team every day. So a lot has happened since we last talked. The Rangers had a back-to-back over the weekend. They continue this four-game road trip, uh, playing the second and third games of said road trip. They go into L.A. They lose 2-1. to one. Not their best performance of the season for sure. Uh, slow start in that game, and it cost them. Uh, in some ways, I felt like maybe the final score made it seem closer than it was. And then you're almost looking at a disastrous road trip because the Rangers on Sunday in Anaheim fall into a 2 to nothing hole. Another really bad, flat, lifeless start. It results in Peter Laviolette making some mid-game adjustments, shuffling the lines around a little bit. And the Rangers, to their credit, I mean, it wasn't a great win. I can't call it a great win when you play that poorly for honestly, more than half the game against the Anaheim Ducks, and you're in danger of losing to a team that I believe is bottom three in the league as far as, you know, the total NHL standings. Uh, But they did find a way to come back and win it. That's what ultimately counts. Uh, They get the five to two win. And yeah, I mean, obviously a lot has been going on, but that would have been a disaster. That would have been probably a new champion for worst loss of the season. When you look at, again, where the Ducks are in the standings, you also consider the fact coming into this game, the Ducks had won just six of their last 30 games. So, I mean, that is a team just going nowhere fast, and you just can't be losing games like that, especially when you're already on a two-game losing streak. But a big comeback. I want to kick off today's episode by talking about said comeback. Obviously, again, the Rangers were up against it, not playing very well at all. Uh, They got together in the third period. They did enough to get the win. This is a classic example of a team, well, first of all, playing down to the competition, but what I was also going to say was a team playing just well enough as it has to to win. Not as well as it can, as well as it has to. And, and that's kind of what the Rangers did here. But uh, again, ultimately worked out with two points for the Rangers. So they get a little bit of a break. It's 2-1 to one going into the third period. It had been 2 nothing earlier in the game. The Rangers got a goal uh, somewhat late in the second period. But now it's the third period, 14-42 left. And it looks like Anaheim goes up 3-1. to one, A play where the Rangers just did not defend well at all. The puck should have come out of the zone. It did not. Uh, Ryan Lindgren kind of looked a little bit lost on this play. Uh, Keandre Miller not really providing any resistance, and you end up getting uh, Vitrano. You know, he, he keeps the puck in the Rangers zone. He gets it to Strom, two former Rangers, go figure. Uh, Strom passes out of the corner uh, to Vitrano. The save is made by Igor, but the rebound goes to McTavish, and he stuffs it in. Rangers challenge for offside, and the goal was overturned. So, yeah, I don't know. Did, did they catch a break there? I mean, sort of. I, I don't know how much the offside really affected the play. But by that same token, offside is offside. So that play should have never really even happened in the first place. 
two different ways to look at it, but I do think it's a little bit of a break here that the Rangers, uh, you know, they, they were bailed out by the fact that Anaheim was a little bit offside on the play. And then you've got uh, the Rangers tying the game a little bit later. Will Cooley, who I thought had an excellent game. And uh, honestly, that third line for the Rangers, probably one of their better games in some time. They've been kind of mixing and matching a little bit with the bottom six, trying to find like something, anything, any kind of productivity out of, um, you know, the that area of their lineup. And of course, uh, Will Cooley here scores again on a deflection with 9.50 to go. You had Wheeler passing the puck up the boards to Keandre Miller. Miller dishes over to Truba on the other side. Uh, Truba puts it toward the net. You've got Cooley and Wheeler. They're in front. They're creating uh, traffic. You've also got two Ducks defenders there. So heavy traffic there. And uh, Cooley again with the redirection. And he puts it in. Cooley's played very well. That was his first goal in 11 games. But this is somebody just bringing the effort every single night. And somebody that, you know, we've talked about how the bottom six in general is somewhat of an issue for the Rangers and specifically when it comes to scoring depth. Hopefully, Will Cooley, if he's going to stay in the bottom six, hopefully he can help uh, alleviate some of those issues and um, you know provide some offense, which he has done from time to time this season. Again, despite not getting any power play time and despite um, not always getting a lot of time on the ice in general. But a great job here. Cooley really had to fight his way to the front of the net. He was behind the goal line and kind of was tangled up with a defender and basically just kind of pushed off of him, fought his way out there. And again, heavy traffic. Uh, created by Cooley and also by Wheeler, and Cooley gets the redirection there. Uh, Joe Micheletti called it a hungry goal, and I, I like that term, and that's exactly what it was. The Rangers really went to work on this one, uh, maintaining offensive zone possession. A couple of passes had to happen with not a lot of real estate, not a lot of daylight. Uh, Rangers had to really kind of thread the needle with a couple of those passes. It leads to a goal, uh, again, just a blue-collar effort, which the Rangers have not been uh, getting enough of over the last handful of games here. Effort has been something of an issue at times. Uh, it was not at least on this on the shift here that tied the game. Uh, but again, good shift by Wheeler, Brodzinski, and Cooley. They got a couple of chances not too long after this. There was uh, some sustained offensive zone time. Uh, Brodzinski got the puck to Cooley. Cooley made a really nice move and forced a defender to take a penalty. Cooley was in the clear. He was going to go in uh, one-on-one with the goalie. Um, you know, it was kind of a, I mean, you can't even really call it a breakaway because he was so close to the net uh, once he got past the last defender. But bottom line, Cooley was going to be one-on-one with the goalie and the defender had no choice, had to, you know, reach out. And I don't know if it was called hooking or tripping, but either way, I mean, you could tell it was a penalty. Uh, it was called and the Rangers go to the power play. And the power play, they end up going two for four on the night. They've been kind of hit or miss with the power play lately, including in this game. Uh, two for four is great. You'll take that any night. But there were a couple of power plays where the Rangers didn't look good at all. So power play at best recently has been a mixed bag. But at least they they got it done here when it counted. It took them just 13 seconds to get the game-winning goal. Uh, specifically, Artemi Panarin with the game-winning goal. He scores with 537 left to go on a one-timer. Gives the Rangers their first lead of the night at 3-2. So... A lot happened here, considering it was only 13 seconds. You get the offensive zone draw, as you do at the start of every power play. And stop me if you've heard this before. Vincent Trocek wins the faceoff clean. The Rangers control it. Ducks never touch the puck. This entire, you know, very short shift here. Um, But you've got Fox and uh, Panarin playing a little bit of pitch and catch on the right side there. Uh, Panarin sends it back to Fox. And Panarin, after he does this, he swoops around behind the net, kind of sneaks out the other side. I think the Ducks kind of lost track of him there. And you've got Fox. He's moving the puck, you know, toward the net a little bit, you know, getting toward the top of the right faceoff circle there. And then he dishes across the ice to Panarin. Almost looked like kind of a set play or something that they've probably worked on uh, at times. But yeah, Panarin got over there. Like I said, he kind of just got lost in the shuffle. I, I don't think the Ducks were really expecting him to do that. And Panarin had to shoot from a tough angle. But when has that ever stopped Artemi Panarin? As far as Rangers skaters are concerned, and 
it's probably that this is probably not unexpected, but when it comes to not being affected by tough, sharp angles, you know, angles that look like they'd be difficult to score from Panarin's got to be at the top of the list. This guy can just really thread the needle, obviously with his passing also with his shooting. Uh, he just absolutely buried it here. Like I said, gave the Rangers the three to two lead. Uh, that was also the 300th career assist for Vincent Trocek. It's funny. Trocek won the face off and then never touched the puck again. But you know what? That that face-off started the whole thing. Good to see him, uh, you know, win the draw there. Big spot in the game. I mean, he just goes to work every single night on that face-off dot. And, uh, I mean, hey, he loses that face-off. This goal probably doesn't happen. Possible the Rangers end up losing the game. And I know, yeah, okay, they, they scored two goals after that. But, you know, the fact that they're up 3-2, now Anaheim's got to take more chances. And it leads to, you know, more scoring opportunities for the Rangers. Rangers might have won it anyway. They might not have, though. And uh, the game-winning goal here all starts with Trocek getting that face-off win. And then huge sequence in the game here. Uh, still 3-2 Rangers, getting a little bit later. Uh, Igor Shesterkin, his probably his best save of the night, but even if it wasn't his absolute best, I would say certainly his most clutch save of the night because Troy Terry got a point-blank opportunity against the Rangers here. And Igor makes a save on the doorstep. The Rangers immediately go the other way. You got Mika passing uh, out of his own zone, across the ice, off the boards in the neutral zone, bounces off the boards. Kreider picks it up. Kreider heads toward the net, takes a shot. It is stopped, but it pops into the air, and Kreider just kind of bats it out of the air into the net. Uh, it even went off another Anaheim player's stick after Kreider batted it, but regardless, made its way into the net. Uh, four to two Rangers, and then Jimmy Vesey uh, with an empty nair with 35 seconds to go to seal the deal. So um, big win for the Rangers. It, it was not pretty. They've had much better performances this year, much better wins. They've beaten far better teams than this. No disrespect to Anaheim, but I mean, you look at the standings and it is what it is. Um, but as far as an important win, I mean, again, you're looking at a nightmare of a road trip here if you drop this one. You're now 0-3. You've only got one game left, and you've just dropped a game on the road in what would have been a lackluster effort against a, um, a team that just frankly is not that good. So big time stuff for the Rangers to come back in the third period. Not a great game overall, but they were at their best when they had to be. That was the third period. Entered that period down by a goal. Still finding a way uh, to get the job done there. So we're going to keep everything rolling into the second. I want to focus our attention on some of the lineup changes and the line shuffling that's been happening over these last couple of games here. We'll get to that in just a second. But first, we definitely want to let everybody know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to us by our good friends at eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience, what brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back because with eBay Motors, you are burning rubber and not cash. With all the parts you need at all the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. eBay guaranteed fit. Only available to U.S. customers. All right, we want to go ahead and keep everything rolling here. Do want to let everybody know, though, that Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. 
And so big shout out to the everydayers. Can't thank you guys enough for tuning in every single day. And uh, some big news here. We're going to have friend of the show, Vince Bercogliano. He's going to be back on the show. We're going to be talking with Vince uh, tomorrow, Tuesday. And um, obviously looking forward to that. Looking forward to, uh, you know, his perspective on the Rangers. And I might as well also mention right now, if you guys have a question for Vince, something you'd like us to talk about, something you'd like to ask Vince personally, go ahead, leave it in the YouTube comment section or send it to me via email. Uh, that works too. LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Uh, either one works. You can DM it to me on Twitter, uh, whatever you prefer. But you, you got to do it quick because he's coming on the show tomorrow. Came together pretty quickly here. Definitely looking forward to uh, talking to Vince tomorrow afternoon. So that's then. Uh, right now, though, I do want to focus some of our attention on you know, the lineup changes that we've seen from the Rangers over these last couple of days here. So Nick Bonino, a healthy scratch for the first time all season in Los Angeles in favor of Tyler Pitlick, who uh, obviously is now back from his injury. Also in the Kings game, you had Gustafson. He was dealing with what is said to be and obviously is a minor injury or was a minor injury um, because he came out of the lineup for that game. Zach Jones went in. Um, but then this game against the Ducks, Eric Gustafson uh, right back out there. So as far as uh, Bonino sitting down for Pitlick. It's fine. I mean, Pitlick obviously missed a lot of time with an injury. He hasn't played in a while. And, you know, the, the most interesting thing about this to me is that it says that basically Johnny Brodzinski has jumped both of them in the pecking order. And I think deservedly so. As far as whether you want to go with uh, Bonino or Pitlick, I still lean a little bit toward Bonino just because, um, you know, he does have that rep of being a good faceoff guy and he is part of the penalty kill. Um, I, I don't think Bonino though is making as many plays defensively as he did earlier in the season. Earlier in the season, I, I was very complimentary. I thought he was playing good defense out there, and I thought his penalty killing was exceptional. I thought he was maybe the Rangers' best uh penalty killing forward that they had. I haven't been seeing him making as many plays recently, though. So as far as him being set down for Pitlick, it's fine. Again, you can kind of just let the two of them battle it out. I mean, I, I know some Ranger fans are not excited about a Bonino versus Pitlick battle for the 12th uh, forward job right now, and I, I can understand that. Um, it's also possible by the time the deadline rolls around that one or both of these guys is squeezed out of the lineup in favor of whomever the Rangers might bring in. Um, but for the time being, I'm fine with them kind of alternating for a little while, and you decide which one you want to go with. But I mentioned a second ago, Brodzinski. It, it seems like at this point, and keep in mind, Brodzinski at the start of the season, he didn't make the team. Uh, Bonino and Pitlick both did, and Bonino and Pitlick were both out there uh, on opening night. Jimmy Vesey was actually uh, the healthy scratch for opening night, and things have really changed because Jimmy Vesey ain't coming out of the lineup, and I don't think Johnny Brodzinski is either, and now you're at the point where it's Bonino and Pitlick. They're kind of the last two guys uh, in the pecking order, so that's interesting, but I think it's also the right call. I mean, Vesey goes out there and brings it every night, very uh, blue-collar player, and Brodzinski He's looked a little bit better recently. I think he's looked a little more noticeable in, in some recent games. And, and that third line, they seem to have something brewing a little bit. You know, when Peter Laviolette was kind of mixing and matching throughout this game against the Ducks, he pretty much, unless I missed something, which is possible, because there was a lot of mixing and matching and a lot of different combinations uh, from the second period on in this game against the Ducks. But unless I missed it, uh, I think it was pretty much Cooley, Brodzinski, and Wheeler, those three all sticking together uh, through the entire game. And again, they played well, you know, creating some scoring chances. Cooley had that big goal that got the game tied. Cooley also uh, drew the penalty that led to the Rangers game winning goal. And that was after another sustained uh, offensive zone possession for that line. You had, you know, Brodzinski kind of making a couple moves, you know, in the corner there and getting the puck to Cooley and then Cooley drew the penalty. So those three played pretty well together. You know, I liked what I saw. I also like this. It wasn't like anything all that like tangible, I guess. 
as far as like, you know, stats in the game or anything, but there was a play in the second period. And at this point, the Rangers are basically, they've been mummified. I mean, they look like zombies out there, right? And the puck goes on net. It's one of those situations where the puck's trickling toward the net. You kind of know what's going to happen. The goalie's going to put his glove on it because there's some Rangers chasing the puck toward the goalie, but they're not going to be able to get there. And, you know, the goalie, he covers the puck. And Wheeler got there, and I don't know if he did it on purpose or not, but he kind of gave a little bit of a snow shower to the goalie. The Ducks didn't like that. Maybe Wheeler's just trying a little something-something to make sure the Rangers still have a pulse and kind of light a little bit of a fire in them. Uh, they went after Wheeler a little bit. It's not the craziest, you know, post-match skirmish that you'll ever see, but at least he made them feel something. You know, at least uh, he got under the Ducks' skin a little bit there. They kind of went after Wheeler. Um, Brzezinski was right in the middle of that too. And then Cooley came over late. So, uh, overall, you know, again, that that's not like a play that's going to end up on some crazy highlight reel or anything like that, but it, the Rangers were such bad need of a jolt. Like I just wanted to see them do anything, try anything, bring a little bit of intensity, bring a little bit of fire. And I don't know if Wheeler, again, if he did that on purpose, the snow shower or not, but you got to try something at some point, just wake your guys up a little bit, get into a little pushing contest that never hurt anybody. And, um, at least it kind of like lets everybody know, okay, we're still alive here. We still have a pulse. We're not a bunch of zombies out here playing. So I like that instance in the game too. But yeah, I mean, other than that, we got to talk about these, uh, you know, we, we already covered the uh, the lineup changes as far as who's in and who's out. But as far as the line combinations from the second period on, it was very fluid. We saw a lot of different line combinations. And I think that with LaViolette, he seems to like to do it this way. We haven't seen him all that often change line combinations in the middle of the game. Um, it's happening a little bit more recently because the Rangers haven't played as well recently. But it feels like when he does do this, he doesn't like change the line combinations to anything concrete, set in stone. He'll continue to just throw different line combinations out there throughout the entire night. I mean, I got a bunch of them written down here. We'll get to them in a second. I just want to talk about the concept of it first, though. And I like it because the Rangers were flat. And I think what that does, if you don't really know when your next shift is going to come or who you're going to be out there with, then it kind of keeps you on your toes, even on the bench a little bit. You know, you're kind of, you're probably listening a little bit more closely and you're, you're not sure if and when your numbers are going to get called and who you're going to be out there with. And okay, it's these three guys, get out there, go. And you don't have time to think about it. And you just go out there and hopefully play instinctive hockey. And um, maybe you're a little bit more on your toes, a little bit sharper. The fact that I'm with two random line mates that I don't usually play with anymore. I mean, it's just an idea that I kind of had as far as like watching the way that LaViolette tends to do this when he does uh, make the, in-game lineup changes, the, the line combination changes. And as far as a couple of the, the trios that he went with, uh, we had Lafreniere, Trocek, and Kreider to start the uh, second period. Um, we actually had to wait to see the other new line combinations because that's when Ke'Andre Miller took a penalty just 37 seconds into the second period. So, I mean, you talk about the Rangers not playing well. You get a penalty there 37 seconds into the second period. This is after the Ducks scored about a minute into this game or whatever it was. Um, not sharp to start the first period or the second period were the Rangers. We also got uh, Panarin and Mika and VZ. That one was kind of interesting to me because I floated out the idea that maybe VZ deserves a look at, at some point this season. Maybe you throw him out there on that top line. I realize it's not the best option in the world, but you've tried everybody else. Kako has had two chances there. Wheeler has had two chances there. Brodzinski had a chance there uh, for some time when he was first called up as well. And it gets to the point where it's like, well, you know, VZ, you know, he's getting a decent amount of points as a fourth liner, especially when you consider his not a ton of power play time. He gets out there on the second unit every now and then, but not a ton of power play time and just not a ton of ice time in general. So it gets to a point where why not try VZ? If you're going to keep Mika and Kreider together, 
Maybe at some point VZ gets a shot there if it doesn't work out with Kako. And the reason I like this, or one of the reasons anyway, what I just said, obviously VZ has gotten some points in the bottom six. But also, I just feel like having a blue-collar, hardworking player like Jimmy VZ with Mika and with Kreider could maybe be a good influence on them, keep them honest. There have been a lot of people that have gotten on uh, Mika and Kreider recently. Too many games where they're just kind of drifting out there. And I don't think that's an unfair critique at this point. Um, you know, they, they can be excellent players when they're at their best. They are excellent players when they're at their best. But when they're kind of just cruising, which they've been doing on and off the entire season, uh, they're not great. But if you stick like a, just kind of like a bulldog, tenacious player like Jimmy Vesey out there, not the most you know, talented player in the NHL, but just a hardworking player and a guy that does have offensive skill and he will flash it from time to time. You put him out there with Beacon Kreider, maybe it kind of inspires them to go to work a little bit more too. So uh, again, Right now, I would stick, as I said in a recent episode, I would stick with Kako, Mika, and Kreider on that top line if you're not going to break up Mika and Kreider. But if it goes south, if it's not working out, and if you're determined to keep Mika and Kreider together, which we could debate whether they should do that or not, but if those two have to stay together, it doesn't work out with Kako, I want to see Jimmy Vesey get the next crack at it. I, I think he's probably earned it at this point. And like I said, they've given everybody else a chance, so why not him? Uh, we also had Trojek, Lafreniere, and Kreider. Uh, yeah, th- so that line was out there a couple of different times together. Um, we had, I already mentioned Panarin, Mika, and VZ. We had Bonino, Goodrow, and Kako. So this is something we're going to get to in a little bit here, but Kako's ice time was really, really down in this game. Uh, just did not get a ton of shifts, and obviously here uh, basically downgraded to what I can only assume was still the Ranger fourth line uh, at that point in the game. We saw Mika, Panarin, and Lafreniere together. I know a lot of people have been kind of clamoring for that combination. I'm still a little hesitant to break up the Panarin, Trocek, Lafreniere line because it's the only line that produces um, you know, consistently at 5v5. We had Kreider, Panarin, Mika. We've seen that in the past, too, when the Rangers are desperate for a goal. They'll throw those two out there. A lot of times, it's really just the case of Panarin being double-shifted, but regardless, uh, an intriguing combination there as well. And I also, you know, in general, kind of watching this and watching how the Rangers have played lately, which, again, has not been great, their, their recent string of play, I kind of had this idea, like this concept where Maybe ice time, playing time should be just completely up for grabs right now. I mean, whoever plays best gets more ice time. And I I think in the past, Peter Laviolette has done things that way. The only tricky thing there, though, is like, say like, you know, Mika, Kreider, and Kako. They get off to a bad start, lackluster start for the first half of a game. They don't really have other options, especially if they're down in a game. Because, yeah, you'd like to kind of send a message and maybe pull back on their ice time a little bit and reward somebody else who's playing hard. But at the same time, if you're down by a goal or two goals, as the Rangers were in this game, even if Mika and Kreider and Kako aren't playing very well, you probably still like their chances more of doing something offensively than you do uh, as far as a line of like, I don't know, Pitlick, Bonino, and Goodrow, right? So like, it's hard to kind of roll with that idea. I mean, it's food for thought. And I think it's something that uh, could be considered just, again, just rewarding players that play well. This team in one way or another, needs a fire lit under them. And maybe that's a way to do it, but it's hard for me to come up with all these ideas of like, you know, people are saying like, oh, scratch Mika and Kreider for a game. Okay, who plays the top line? Riley Nash? I mean, we get call up Alex Belzeal. He's going to play on the top line. So I don't know, but there's got to be a way to, you know, reward guys for playing well and kind of reignite this competitive fire in these guys where you feel like ice time is always going to be up for grabs. Um, You know, Mika and Kreider, There's been games where they haven't played well at all, but neither one of them have really ever faced any consequences either. I don't think either one of them has been sent down the lineup the entire season. I don't think either one of them has been benched even for a shift. So, and I'm I'm not saying that you should be trigger happy with that, but you know, they've been a little bit uneven this season. And I I think at a certain point, you got to light a fire at least a little bit. 
Um, so yeah, I, I figure uh, at this point, we can go ahead and in just a second, we're going to turn our attention to something I already touched on very briefly, but we're getting to in more detail in just a second. Uh, Capo Caco basically being benched. I mean, Peter Lavula after the game didn't really call it that, but it's kind of a benching. I mean, if nothing else, his his ice time was much, much lower than we're used to seeing it be. So we'll get to that in just a second. First, though, we definitely want to let everybody know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by FanDuel. The NFL regular season has concluded, and there are only four teams left standing in the playoffs, and it is, there is still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $150 bucks in bonus bets, win or lose. The app is so easy to use, and there are so many different ways to bet, like live same-game parlays. You can find bets in the new Explore tab, make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, the best way to find popular parlays, and much much more. And obviously there's only four teams left. So uh, there's obviously a lot at stake this upcoming weekend, two more games, and then it's onto the Super Bowl. So definitely check out, uh, you know, some of the, uh, the bets going on there. But once again, visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, let's go ahead and talk about something that kind of um, had Ranger Twitter in a semi-uproar. I mean, we, we've seen, and I include myself in this, we, we've seen, all of us have collectively gotten a little more upset than this, but there was something kind of interesting going on. I mentioned all the different line combinations that they went with in the second period and into the third period as well. Capo Caco was essentially benched in this game. Now, Caco has kind of underwhelmed since he's been back, um, not really doing anything offensively. He had the one goal, but in five games now, and again, he's back from injury. Give him some time to hopefully get better and figure it out. But you were hoping for a better start, at least offensively, from Capo Caco than one goal and no assists in the first five games back. I don't think he played particularly well in this game. He didn't really stand out in any meaningful way, at least offensively. Um, but I don't know that he should have been singled out when you look at you know, the other Ranger players that haven't been performing. Capo Caco in this game ended up with a grand total of just eight minutes and eight seconds of ice time. That was far less than any other player on the Rangers. Nick Bonino, everybody's favorite, I know. Um, and Look, I, I've stood up for Bonino at times this season, but I see no reason why he should be getting significantly more ice time than Capo Caco. I know there were a lot of penalties in this game, so that might be part of it, him being out there in the PK. Um, but Nick Bonino had the second fewest amount of ice time for the Rangers. He had 9.59, and again, Caco had 8.08. So Capo Caco was significantly less time on the ice than Nick Bonino. And one other idea I want to throw out there as it pertains to the line combinations, because, you know, with Kako, you want to get him going a little bit, and you're trying to figure this out. I talked about Mika and Kreider a second ago. I think that at some point they bear some responsibility for what's going on here. I mean, it, it seems like a lot of us always target the right winger on the top line, and why is Wheeler there, and why is Brodzinski there, you know? But I, I feel like... At a certain point, you know, Mika and Kreider, they got to be leading the way. The, the third, whoever the right winger is there, he should be kind of like the, the third best player on that line. And I think at times we're kind of looking for that player to go up and carry that line for some reason or another. But I also wanted to talk about this concept of possibly breaking up uh, Mika and Kreider. You could, again, this is assuming that they don't want to break up that second line with Panarin and Trocek and Lafreniere. If we assume that that's the case, you could basically just flip-flop Will Cooley and um and Chris Kreider, that's another option right there. You you move Kreider down to the third line because you can't move Mika out of the top six. I know sometimes there's Ranger fans that get upset with him. You can't move him out of the top six. They, they've got two centers on this team that are healthy right now that are options in the top six. It's Mika and it's Trocek. 
one way or another, those are your two top six uh, centers. So Kreider would be the guy to move, and you flip-flop Kreider and Cooley. Cooley played very well in this game. We've covered that already. And you go with a top line of Cooley and Mika and Kako, and, and maybe Kreider gets together. Maybe that lights a fire under Chris Kreider, having him play uh, on the third line. And maybe something gives, and this just works out in the Ranger favor. Um, so, yeah, if, if there's going to be a move that's, that gets made here as far as Mika and Kreider being broken up, and if we assume that they don't want to break up the Panarin line, then it's got to be uh, Kreider that moves down. But getting back to Kako here, uh, again, he's the only one that gets borderline benched in this game. And, again, I'll be the first person to say he hasn't really looked great since being back, didn't look great in this game either. But Kako, to elaborate on what was basically a benching, he only had two shifts in the second period, and then after that, you know, he's out there when he did get on the ice, he was out there basically with Bonino and Goodrow. He had a couple of shifts with them. And I mean, good luck trying to get any offense there. Um, I, I suppose maybe, you know, Laviolette in the preseason talked about how he likes to have a shutdown line. Those are three guys that are kind of defense first forwards. I mean, I can't believe that's how I'm describing Capo Caco, but that's kind of where we're at right now. I mean, look at the point totals and, um, you know, again, look at his defensive metrics. They are very, very good. So Capo Caco, at this point, at least for right now, at this point in the season, his fifth season in the NHL is basically a defensive forward, a defensive specialist. Um, so maybe that's why he won those three together. Laviolette, after the game, when asked about, you know, Kako not getting a ton of ice time and only the two shifts in the second period, he said there's nothing there when he was asked about it. But I saw this tweet uh, from Molly Walker that Laviolette chalked it up, you know, Kako's lack of ice time. He chalked it up to uh, a bunch of special teams play in the second period. And this is what Laviolette had to say about it. Just the rotation and the way it went. There's nothing there. And I mean, fair enough, there were six penalties in the second period. So uh, that's what Laviolette is talking about there. But I just don't know how you get through uh, the entire period. And Kako is the guy that singled out. Um, again, you know, at, at a certain point, I feel like Mika and Kreider, you know, the, the, the heat's got to come down on them at least a little bit. Um, I do feel like also... And this isn't just Laviolette. This is like four coaches worth of um, time that we're talking about here, whether it's Laviolette, Gallant, Quinn, AV. It feels like there's certain players that can end up in the crosshairs of certain coaches, and it's never Mika, and it's never Kreider. And I understand it to an extent. You know, they're, they're the veteran players at this point. They're kind of the leaders. And even when they're not going well, you know it's still there. You know these guys are going to have big offensive numbers at the end of the season. So maybe you don't want to you know, bench them. But I can remember, man, when Quinn was here, his two targets always seemed to be Strom and Buchnevich. If one of them did something stupid, like took a bad penalty or just didn't look engaged, whatever it was, they would be benched. Um, if Kreider takes a bad penalty, which he did in this game, this is right after uh, the Rangers had scored near the end of the second period to cut the Ducks lead down to two to one. And Kreider, you know, miles away from the play, the camera, he wasn't even in the camera. He wasn't even in view on the camera. Uh, cross checks Gudis and gets a penalty and goes to the penalty box. That could have been an enormous mistake, an enormous play in the game. Fortunately, the Rangers uh, did kill off that penalty. But I don't know. I mean, it, it just feels like certain players can get away with certain things and other players just can't. You know, with, with Gallant, at one time or another, he scratched Philip Hedel. He was, Philip Hedel was a healthy scratch. He scratched Lafreniere. Lafreniere was a healthy scratch. And he scratched Cabo Caco in game six uh, against the Lightning with the Rangers season on the line. Healthy scratch Cabo Caco. So, and even if he's not scratching them, you know, if, if one of those guys makes a mistake, I mean, he'll bust them down in the bottom six faster than you can blink. You know, that, that's kind of how Gallant was with the younger players. For some reason, though, it, it does seem like certain players kind of get a little bit of a pass. And, I mean, look, Kreider ends this game. He gets a goal and an assist. Um, big play on the assist that he had. 
uh, while the Rangers were on the power play and, you know, big goal as well. But I don't know. It just feels like there, there's different standards uh, for different players. So that's kind of where we're at right now. Uh, again, I didn't really agree with the Kako benching because did he play any worse? Was he any more lethargic? Was he any more invisible than either of his linemates? Or for that matter, most of the Ranger forwards for the better part of this game? I don't really think that he was. I don't remember seeing Capo Kako make any like ridiculously bad passes or like turn the puck over. Or I don't remember really seeing him loafing out there either. So the, the benching didn't really make sense. And, you know, I, I guess we can maybe take Laviolette at face value where it just happened to be the fact that there were a ton of power plays both ways in the second period. I'm sure that had something to do with Kako's uh, lack of ice time. But when you see Capo Kako at the end of this game end up with eight minutes and eight seconds, far less than any other Ranger forward, I mean, your eyebrows are going to go up a little bit, right? And I, I think that's kind of uh, the way I'm feeling right now that it probably just didn't deserve to happen. And that, you know, the, the Rangers, the struggles of the top line aren't always going to fall on whoever's playing right wing. At some point, Mika and Kreider got to get going a little bit too. And, and you know, some points in this game, but, um, you know, you'd like to see them be a little bit more consistent uh, than they've been recently. Uh, the other thing I want to do here, got to give some props to Igor Shesterkin. Was not super busy in this game, but he ends up stopping 16 of 18 shots. And it was only an episode or two ago where I talked about how there have been too many games this season where everything just kind of snowballs on Igor Shesterkin. And he'll give up a goal or two early and kind of get down on himself a little bit. And that's when the floodgates open. And we have one of these games where Igor ends up giving up four or five, maybe even six goals by the end of the night. I was talking recently about how he's got to have a game where maybe he gets burnt once or twice early, but then he shuts it down. Maybe there's even a soft goal in there, but he says, you know what? That's it. They're not getting anything else. I'm going to lock it down the rest of the way. Igor Shesterkin did that in this game, did not allow a goal after the first period. Now, again, he got he kind of got bailed out as the rest of the Rangers did on the offside call, and this is not the most uh, offensively potent opponent that the Rangers will play all season, but he still did what I was describing uh, earlier, whatever episode it was, an episode or two ago, where he's got to have a game where he gets burnt a couple of times early, but he locks it down. He did that in this game. Again, not a ton of fire, but a huge save, as we already mentioned, on Troy Terry late in this game with the Rangers up by a goal. And of course, the Rangers go the opposite way, and they score and um, obviously go on to the win. So a, a nice performance by Igor Shesterkin here, uh, settling down after a little bit of a tough start. Other thing I wanted to mention here, is that, once again, Vince Mercagliano will be back on the show tomorrow. So, like I said, if you have any questions, anything you want us to talk about, um, any inquiries or the like, uh, just certainly let me know one way or another. You guys know how to get a hold of me. Uh, so, make that happen between now and tomorrow, Tuesday, and uh, we'll do our best to get your question into the show. Definitely looking forward to talking with Vince. Uh, and then the other silver lining here, this has not been a great road trip at all. Like I said, they were staring 0-3 in the face last night, but they rallied. They came back. They got the win. Now, all you have to do to go two and two on this road trip, which is not a spectacular road trip, but it's okay. Um, you get, just got to beat a Sharks team, a Sharks team that is 11, 31, and four. You got to win that game. There's no two ways about it. I understand, you know, even the bad teams, they're going to play well from time to time. They're going to get some wins every now and again, um, but the Rangers have to figure out a way to come out, skate circles around this team, and post a dominant win. Let's not eat by with like a 3-2 overtime win or something like that. Let's actually have a convincing win against a team that you are far better than and um, hopefully that's exactly what happens. But figure we can call it there. If you guys would like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. And definitely subscribe to Locked On New York Rangers YouTube channel. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time.